0: Police investigators thought they were just rescuing a young woman from sex trafficking. It turns out they may have stumbled onto something much more vicious. And then we join a young couple in Salt Lake City, Utah. They went out there to spend a little bit of time together. But then, the unspeakable thing crawled out of the darkness. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys have some really cool stuff to do this weekend. First out, let's go ahead and give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreons coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Give it up for Ryan O'Hara. Everyone, round of applause. There's fireworks going off for you. Ryan, thank you so much for your continued support of the show. Really, really means a lot. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. You have no idea how much that helps. Then, it's Fan Art Friday. Take a look at this amazing piece of art we got from Slappy Sleepy. It is a wood-burned image of the Dead Rabbit Radio logo. Looks absolutely amazing thank you so much slappy sleepy really really appreciate it and thanks for letting me use it for fan art friday and i wanted to add this too we got a lot of stuff to cover you guys have been requesting it for a long time i finally got it i now have a p.o box so if you want to mail me stuff if you want to mail me some of this fan art you're doing or mail me letters the p.o box is going to be in the show notes there's this weird thing going on right now if you can believe it in the life of a man who does a paranormal podcast one of you guys reached out to me a while ago and told me, no, tempted me, that you had a piece of the Balloon Boy's balloon, my favorite, my favorite conspiracy story ever, true crime, however you want to label it, the Balloon Boy, the Heaney Saga, I'm about to do like a 60-part documentary on them, told me you had a piece of the Balloon Boy puzzle. I reached out to you, I tried looking for you, I was looking through Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Facebook and all these places you can contact me. I can't find you. I was going to let you know that I had the P.O. box, so now I'm starting to think that you don't exist. I'm starting to think that this was some sort of Berenstein Bear effect in an alternate universe. Jason is now proudly looking at a piece of the Balloon Boy. Not the Balloon Boy himself. It's a piece of flesh from Falcon Heaney. I got more in my garage. But the balloon itself. So if you are the possessor of the Balloon Boy balloon piece, please, please get in touch with me and send it to me. Because... I am Gollum-esque, really craving this piece of balloon art. And also, speaking of balloons, Cabot Cove Balloon Friends has an amazing piece of art they're sending me that they've been working on for a long time, and they were also really wanting me to get the... So I got it for you guys, and I am looking forward to getting all sorts of cool art and letters from you from around the world. Ryan, let's go ahead and toss you the controls to the hair Hang Glider. We're going to take a nice glidy flight all the way from Dead Rabbit Command to Clarksburg, West Virginia. Now, I've recently started doing a lot of stuff on TikTok. I'm uploading stuff every day. Now, if you're not a fan of TikTok, that's fine. I also post it to my Twitter, to my Instagram, and I post it to YouTube as well, so you don't have to join everything. Just figure out where it's most convenient to you. I don't upload it to the podcast because they're only a minute long, and it would trust me, it would aggravate you if you had all these minute downloads, but. I'm making it as available as possible. You don't have to go to TikTok. But something I've started doing is I love true crime, but a lot of true crime is just who, what, when, where, why, how. And there's no way to extrapolate it. And so I don't cover it a lot on the podcast proper. But I, every day I love reading these true crime stories. This one I originally came across and I was like, oh, this is perfect for a TikTok, a little short thing. But then it just kind of spiraled into a bizarre, unexpected twist. We're in Clarksburg, West Virginia. It's 2019, and there's a 15-year-old girl. She's na- she's unnamed. She's a victim of sex trafficking, so we're going to call her Samantha, and if that's her name, it's just a shot in the dark. Samantha begins hanging out with this dude named Johnny Thomas. He's a 34-year-old man, and it starts off as a consensual quote-unquote consensual relationship. I mean, it's illegal. She can't really give consent to that age, but... She's quickly swept up into the world of sex trafficking. And this is normally how these things play out. She's forced to move from state to state along the East Coast. And she's forced to have sex for money. And then they're taking her to photo shoots so they can put her ads online and in magazines and all this. stuff. So there's a whole infrastructure built around sex trafficking. You think that it's the pimp and the girls out on the street. What do you want, honey? Huh? You want to? You want? Oh, Jason's not going to the... say what it is because it's sexually explicit. But he'll talk about sex trafficking. The the you think it's like that, and there are parts like that. But there's also like a whole infrastructure behind it. You have I wonder if they have like sex trafficking accountants. But you definitely have like photo shoots and web designers and things like that. We're not talking about porn at this point. We're talking about illegal sex trafficking. Like obviously the photographer is not going to be like, can I see your driver's license? It's obvious this girl is 15 years old. And he's taking pictures of this girl. She tries escaping. And she gets caught. And Johnny Thomas isn't working alone. He has a female partner as well. And she's kind of like building the trust with Samantha. But at the same time, she's also there to make money exploiting these girls. She tries escaping. She gets caught. She has an incredibly brutal encounter with a client that leaves her bleeding. And she's pleading to be let out. And Johnny's like, no, you're my girl now. You got to make money. Finally, she escapes. Finally, she's able to get out of there, and she turns in Johnny. She turns in his accomplice, Becca Mills, a 25-year-old woman. They're both facing life in prison, because this amounts to slavery. It, it, sex trafficking alone is such a huge charge, because you're moving from state to state, you're facilitating all of this stuff, and then you have all sorts of rape and abuse and like uh, assault charges and things like that going on top of it. They're both facing life in prison. That, in and of itself, is just a sad, true crime story. But listen to this next part. This is where you get into to the conspiracy of it. This is really, really creepy. When she keeps fighting, fighting this life, she's trying to get out of that and she keeps trying to escape. She keeps being rebellious. Johnny tells her this more than once. Listen, you're lucky you're with me because I'll tell you what, I can sell you tonight. I know a guy who will give me $1,500 on the spot right now. You know what he's going to do to you? He's going to take you, he's going to inject you full of heroin, and then he's going to chain you up to a bed. And then, while you're half awake, half asleep, in a state of bliss, really, you're going to see him chop off one of your toes. And then the next toe. And then the next toe. And you're not going to feel the pain, but you'll mentally be able to experience the horror as he amputates all of your toes. You're actually going to see each finger slowly be removed. And then the hand cut at the wrist. You're going to see your body whittle down to nothing but a torso. If you try escaping one more time, I'll sell you to a man that I know has done that to many other women. On the one hand, this could be a bluff, right? Johnny Thomas could have actually made it up. Or it could have been a urban legend. He had heard of this story about a man who did this. But it is quite possible that this is real. And that Johnny Thomas, this low-level piece of trash sex trafficker, who's picking up young girls and beating them into submission so they can make him a little bit of money, knows a serial killer who takes delight in slowly removing a woman's body parts bit by bit. Until she becomes nothing. Now Johnny Thomas is caught. He's facing trial. What about this guy? Is he still out there? Who knows? Criminal urban legend. Which they do exist. Criminals. Because it's their own underbelly. Their own world. They do have their own urban legends. It's a very very interesting subculture. Or is it a real person that he knows? Or knows of? Who right now could be pulling $1,500 dollars. Out of his wallet and passing it to a pimp as a young woman is being led into the back of his car. Terrifying, terrifying true crime story with that dash of conspiracy theory and hopefully a whole lot of urban legend as well. Ryan, Ryan's like, damn it, that's like the spookiest story you've told in a long time. Why am I on this? He's too, he's too scared. I'm throwing him the carbonicopter keys. He drops them. Ah. Ryan, go ahead and pick up those carbonicopter keys. We are leaving behind Clarksburg, West Virginia. We are headed on out to Salt Lake City, Utah. And as we're headed out there, I wanted to do a quick update. I've talked before about Max Kramer. Max Kramer, quick overview, is a homeless man who is a video game designer who believes that everyone lives in the Matrix and he's one of the very few people and we're just like robots that walk around or simulated people. Sim, yeah, we are. He calls us Sims. He also believes that he can wear our skin and attack our children, put it to put it politely. That's what he that's what he believes. I'll put the episode in the show notes. And I said in a recent episode, because I think I've covered him twice, he's a fascinating character because he's so off the rocker, nuts. But he can write. He can write very succinctly. It doesn't make sense, but it's very rare when we can see someone who can write their thoughts out who are this far gone. He's still alive! He's still alive, and he is still doing this stuff. I actually got an email from a woman named Cassandra, She lives in Cookville, Tennessee, and she goes, hey, you know that guy that you're doing those episodes on? Here's a picture of his van. Now, I don't know if she took the picture. I'm pretty sure she wasn't following this guy, but he has this van, and it says, like, sim people on it. It's it's Max Kramer. And he has a whole new website that we're going to dive into shortly. I'm still going through his old website. But I wanted to share with you some Maxisms. I wanted to share with you some of these thoughts. Because sometimes you just have to kick back and think, what does a homeless video game designer think about when they're not designing video games? Let me read you these. So he has this theory called car machine, which is computer-assisted reality. It's what we live in. Let me read you this. Quote, So in the car machine, I am taunted by strangers all day sometimes. Insults, homosexual harassment. He has this weird hang-up about not being gay. He thinks that gay people are constantly trying to, like, attack him or turn him gay or both at the same time. Uh, Insult, homosexual harassment, he says here for the hundredth time on his website. I'm totally straight. Impersonations of my family and stepfamily from strangers. Go to jail for freedom of speech. Can't get a job because of the economy. Wait in lines at the homeless shelter for food. Talk to women without any sex for two years. Penniless, Shoes falling apart. Holes in my socks. And you go, okay, Jason, those are all legitimate things. Not not the people impersonating your family. But that second, I could see that second section here. Not being able to get a job. Waiting in lines at the homeless shelter. Okay, maybe you don't wait in lines at homeless shelter either. But not being able to get a job. Not being able to get a date. Not having a lot of money. Shoes falling apart. Holes in my socks. So That's all stuff you feel bad for this guy. But let me finish this. Shoes falling apart. Holes in my socks, stalked by, que- <laughs> stalked by queer people wearing skin dye and disguises. That is strange. It seems insane. Now, that's so fascinating. I, I just ran across this blurb when I was researching him. It's fascinating because even he knows that all of those thoughts are insane, and yet he believes them. So that's, that's why I love Max Kramer. He knows something's wrong. I've run across insane people in my real life, and they don't know they're insane. And you may have the unfortunate pleasure of doing that as well. And we definitely see him online. A lot of times you see people posting stuff online, and you're like, this is nuts. Well, you're just part of the SHIELD agenda, blah, 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 blah. But he knows that thinking that queer people wearing skin dye and disguises is an insane thought, and yet he still believes it. Fascinating, fascinating character, Max Kramer. There's nothing really more. I mean, I have tons and tons more stuff to talk about with Max Kramer, but I kind of wanted to just share that insight with you. So bizarre. Uh, To wrap, I'll, I'll add this one, too. He also said one day, quote, after eating a bag of parsnips, vegetables, I experienced erectile dysfunction, unquote. So <laughs> right now you're eating a big bag of parsnips. And you're like, num num num. I finally got a date after two years of talking to women. Nom, num num num. nom. Num. Just one more parsnip and I'll be ready to go. So yeah, it's just fascinating. The stuff that this guy writes down is just so bizarre. He does have a dream that he actually, he really wants because he's a homeless person. He recycles cans all the time. He said, sometimes when I'm walking around recycling, I imagine, what if? The thing about it, if you were recycling cans, if you were having to rely on recycling cans for your main source of income, what would be your what if? Sometimes when I'm walking around recycling, I imagine what if there was a gigantic... It's <laughs> not a million dollars in a briefcase. I, I imagine what if there was a gigantic can, like the size of a duffel bag, worth $10. And you go, oh, Jason, that's kind of sweet, actually. He doesn't have these high hopes, these high dreams. $10 would be life-changing to him. Well, we have a segment coming up on him soon where he does explain what he will do if he... Here's a little teaser. He'll explain what he'll do if he finds a million dollars. He's going to build an edible theme park. And the edible part... The edible part of the theme park is you. You. it's bizarre it's so bizarre and i also want to give a shout out to oogs because he's the one who originally told me about max kramer but we'll talk about his edible theme park on a future episode max kramer is just uh, it's (laughs) i just love this guy ryan you see that little patch of land just outside of salt lake city we're gonna land there and we're gonna visit a young couple it's october 1982 and it's late at night. Dun, 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 dun. Carbonicopter lands kind of far away from what's going on. We see this young couple. And we don't have their names. We're going to call them Levi and Rebecca. We're going to call them Levi and Rebecca. And they're sitting in this field. Where we're at isn't in the middle of nowhere. There's like a school there, and they're sitting in a field near the school. And a cool mist appears over the field. And Rebecca and Levi are just kind of sitting there, and they feel, all of a sudden, it just feels super relaxing. It feels like they both just drank a delicious Sierra mist. But they didn't. They didn't. (laughs) They will wish they had. They will wish that was the end of the story. They will wish they were in a commercial. They're sitting there, and this cool mist envelops them. And they just feel both very at ease. Pleasant. But then Levi notices something. His hand is on the ground, and he's like, what? That's weird. The ground, it's. And Rebecca goes, You're right. It got muddy all of a sudden. How did the ground get so muddy? Could the mist. No, no, no. There's not enough moisture in the mist, Levi says, to make it this muddy. And that's when they notice the entire area is dead quiet. Not a bird. Not a bug. It's almost like they're sitting in a vacuum. Without talking to each other, Levi and Rebecca both begin to slowly turn their heads, both looking over their left shoulder. They're synchronized in this movement. They're both just slowly turning their heads to look over their left shoulder. And while they're doing it, they feel the hairs prick up on the back of their neck. Something is wrong. 200 feet away, they see pitch blackness. And out of that blackness, it crawls. This monstrosity is human-sized and crawling on its belly towards the young couple. Its skin is so dark, it's hard to see as it's coming out of the shadows. But they, can, they describe it like this. It's completely naked. Its arms are held close against its body, and its hands are pressed against its own waist. It's slowly inching towards them, though. And they're watching this sight, and they realize the only way it's moving, it's pushing its toes into the mud and scooting forward inch by inch on its belly. The knees were inhuman. You could figure it might be a dude laying on his stomach doing this. It would take a while, right? It would be There's more convenient ways to sneak up on people. But the knees were bent up and backwards. So he wasn't laying flesh on the ground. His knees were up in the air while the rest of his body was pushed against the mud. And yet only his toes continued to wiggle as this creature inched ever closer to them. It lifted its head up out of the mud, and the last hope that this was some sort of human trick evaporated. When Levi and Rebecca looked at this thing's face, where its eyes should be, was just two endless pools of darkness. Levi and Rebecca jumped up, ran to their car, and sped off. After they reported this, others came out and visited the area. There was no sign of this creature, but strange tracks were found in the area. I got that story from one of my favorite websites, thinkaboutitdocs.com. You guys should be checking that website out, it's so good. They got it from Castle of Spirits, which is a collection of stories. Now, I have a vague recollection of this story. I've been sitting on this story for a while, so it could be that I've just I think it's really cool. I may have just been playing it over and over in my head. I may have actually covered a similar story like this before, and there's a chance you know this is episode seven hundred and twenty six there's a chance I've covered this story before because it sounds so familiar. I don't think I've covered it for for sure before, but I think I've covered something like it, but even if i even if I had repeated it, even if this is a total repeat and if it is it's unintentional. My takeaway is still the same. This is utterly horrifying. Because what we have is we have a cryptid that can control not its environment, your environment. There's really two views on cryptids. That cryptids are some sort of biological entity that is an undiscovered life form. Like maybe Loch Ness Monster is a dinosaur. Maybe Bigfoot is this giant simian. But that's a modern way of looking at these things. When you look back at the old legends of Bigfoot or sea monsters, they were devils. These were things that were not of this world. The old native version of Bigfoot was he was a ghost. That's why you can never catch him. It was like this spirit animal. And when you think of sea monsters in old European lore, they were monstrosities. Not some biological entity. It has a reproduction cycle and a sleep cycle and has a diet and poops. And that version of the cryptid is far more terrifying because they are not of this earth. They live here, they share the planet with us, but they are not of this earth. You, a rhinoceros, a squirrel, and a goldfish all have the same life cycle. You all have the same needs. And when you throw something into that food chain that doesn't, that can alter time, can alter reality, can teleport that isn't bound to the needs of calories in to be able to complete certain actions, get sore muscles, toothaches. They don't have these things. They're not biological entities. And that would make them the perfect hunter. They don't tire. They just hunt. And now, with this one, has the ability to turn any area into its own kill box. Because we all know that there's another version of this story. We all know that there's a version of this story where 12 hours after this event, Levi and Rebecca don't come home. And 14 hours after that, police are assembling search parties. And three days after that, missing people signs go up all over the town of Salt Lake City. National news agencies come into town to report the story of a young missing couple. Within a month, Most of those missing persons flyers are in trash cans and recycle bins. The family still puts up fresh ones, but the story is quickly fading from the memories of the people. And they're never seen again. That's the other version of this story. And luckily they got away from this thing, but there is the other version where they don't. Where their car is found by a nearby school, and there's no sign of Rebecca and Levi. It's scary to think that the difference between Levi and Rebecca living to tell this tale or Levi and Rebecca disappearing into the night as this mud creature pulls them into the darkness, the difference between these two stories is about 50 feet. Had they not gotten to their car, we would have never known what happened to them. They would have just disappeared. Into the mist, into the mud, into the realm of a supernatural predator. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm so glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. I'll see you in my